Hello and welcome to Case Reopened. I'm your host, Tyler Trees, and joining me as always is the lovely Colleen, and we're here to talk about some Detective Conan. Yes, we are. Always excited about. So, we have a two-part episode this week, which is the Mystery Writer Disappearance Case. I had hyped this up by looking at the wiki, saying that it was a Hattori episode, and while he kind of makes an appearance, <laughs> it is definitely not a Hattori episode. I was very I let know. down. Same here. I-, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, a Tory episode. And then the first episode happened and he wasn't there. I'm like, I'm sure he'll come on, come in strong on that second half. And then he's there for like two minutes. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. It was the biggest letdown in history. Well, at least of this week for me. Like it would have been a nice surprise if we, if we hadn't known it going into it. But since we did, it was such a downer. Absolutely. And I was super confused. I was like, maybe I'm not watching the right episode. Maybe we got it wrong. And okay, now- <laughs> so funny about that. I, accident- I took notes for about five minutes on a totally wrong episode. Oh, no um, way. Like for this week? Yeah, I was at episode 255. <laughs> it was just like, so that's where I'm at in my like, watch, my like, free time watch. And I forgot to insert the episode number. So like, Conan and Ron and Kogar, they're all going on this trip. I didn't notice anything for like five minutes. I'm like, <laughs> isn't Hattori supposed to be here? So then I, I looked it up and then I was like, oh, I'm a hundred plus episodes away from where I need to be right now. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can just watch whatever episode and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, so this is the Mystery Writer Disappearance Case Part 1 premiered on September 7th, 1998. Uh, did you watch the bad dub or the bad sub? Probably. Did I have <laughs> Conan, Conan with a K? With a K? Yeah. yeah, I watched that. Okay, one. I found another one because I, I saw that. Oh, gosh. I was like, I can't. You, deal you're with gonna this have shit. to send me the link to where you watched them because this one was kind of hard to follow along with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not. I can't deal with Conan with a K. If you can't get the main character's name right, I can't watch your your subtitles. Shame on you, whoever did that. So the Conan's hint going into this episode is one half, Colleen. Yeah, uh, that's actually a pretty good hint for once. So Conan opens the episode. He says, today's an author mystery. Some mysteries exist outside of writing. Okay. Do you know what that means? So there's mysteries inside writing, you know, because we're dealing with a book of fiction, a Sherlock Holmes, if you will. And so while there is a mystery writer... There's a mystery outside of the writing here. Wow, how ironic. The episode opens with a crowd of people surrounding a dead body when a one-eyed man named Samanji Matsuda says he solved the string of murders. This turns out to be a TV show called Detective Samanji, which then goes into a commercial break. I, I do have to say, the English name of Samanji <laughs> is Detective Simon, which is not, it doesn't give the vibe off, really. No, especially uh, with his character design. Sort of a Rironi Kenshin of the detective world. Yeah, it's like, it's not modern day. You don't expect a Simon from, like, feudal Japan. <laughs> Ron believes the son is the culprit, while Kogoro believes the wife did it. Conan agrees with Ron, but Kogoro says that kids don't know anything. When the show comes back on, Sumanji accuses the son of murder, and Ron gloats about it. Kegaru says that the culprit was different the last time he saw this, and Ron explains that the series is being remade and changing who the killer is, which uh, 
That's kind of interesting, right? Oh, that yeah, that is interesting. So, are you excited way- for Detective Conan to do this in like twenty years? Once it finally wraps up, they're just gonna redo every case, but change the killer. Oh, you know, I'm rewatching these episodes <laughs> just to find out. Yeah, that'd be great if it it had the it's like the exact same uh, set of characters for each case. It's just a different culprit. That'd be fantastic. I'm I'm down for that. An angry Kogoro then changes the channel and calls the quick-draw detective pathetic. This upsets Ron, who wants to see Samanji pull his sword out and then say a haiku to end the case. Maybe we should start doing haikus at the end of every podcast episode. Okay. You can uh, go first this week. Okay, so you have the one truth always prevails. How many one truth always prevails? So that's six. We need to add a, one more to get seven or detract it to get to five. One truth always prevails. Maybe like add a sound effect. Like the one truth always prevails? That's seven. That All makes right. sense. I was thinking like one truth always prevails. Yeah. <laughs> Why would we go yeah? Oh, sorry, your idea was better. Let's just go with that. <laughs> no, no, no. One truth always prevails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need five. Conan is a dork. Hattori is way cooler. There we go. That's the haiku <laughs> for this week's episode. Right. Make sure you write that down somewhere. Conan then thinks about the Black Organization, which uh, this was quite the scene here. We haven't seen like any hint of them in like 50 episodes. I know. It was kind of a random... Uh, insertion, but when you actually realize what's going on with the the timeline of these episodes versus the manga, then it sort of makes sense. Yeah, so basically uh, in the manga, this case happens after Hybera is introduced, and he's he knows there's a way to get his body back. So he's he's all amped up, and obviously we're a bit away from that happening in the anime, so it is kind of just random. Like, why is he... It, it, it almost just feels <laughs> like filler. Like, they needed three minutes to fill. And so they're like, let's just have Conan, like, talk about the Black Organization. Or it just felt like a reminder. Like, oh, by the way, remember, the overarching plot line here has to do with these guys. Because <laughs> we haven't talked about them in, like, I don't know, 50 episodes or whatever. Yeah, Conan gives himself a little pep talk about finding them and having to make Kogoro a great detective so he can run into them again. Ron then remarks that they started these serials again two months ago about the uh, detective, and Conan grabs the magazine and says that it really takes him back. He and the killer disappeared into a fire ten years ago, but I guess he survived, says Conan. Uh, is then like, how the hell is, does it take you back? You're like six. And uh, kind of says that's what Shinichi said on the phone the other day. So he plays it off. Luckily for him. slip ups. Yeah, it happens constantly. You'd think they'd figure this out by now. You can't just be an old soul, you know? Yeah. Luckily for them, a customer arrives at the Mori Detective Agency, but Kogoro tells Ron to tell her to come back tomorrow as it's late. However, once he sees it's an attractive young woman, Kogoro welcomes her in as a guest, and he apologizes for his rude daughter. I love how he just throws Ron under the bus here. 
Absolutely. And Ron's face at that moment, like she was so pissed off. Because this is right on the heels of the episode where she's trying to get her parents back together. So it, it kind of fit nicely, even though the timeline was skewed from the original manga. Yeah, and Kugger goes all out. He makes her tea, starts cleaning up the room for her. That was hilarious. He's full charming <laughs> mode right here. I, I wish cleaning actually went that way in real life that easily. You could just like scoop up everything and like wipe down your table and it's you know sparkling. It does, but only if you're extremely horny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's the why secret. It's never worked out for me. Yeah, you have to be very ramped up and very uh, ready for action like Kegaru is uh, to get to that level of clean. Yeah, cleaning master. The woman introduces herself as Kaori Shinmei, and she reveals that she's the daughter of the famous mystery writer Nintaro Shinmei, who is the creator of Samanji. So it comes back around here, full circle. Or the creator of Simon. Yes, the creator of Simon, <laughs> everybody's favorite detective. Uh, so Kegaru totally backtracked. <laughs> he was dissing him before, but now he's like, I can't get enough of his haikus. I'm such a big fan. That's when she says that her father has been missing for two months. This confuses Kegaro as the serials have been running, but she says that both him and her mother have disappeared. She says that they both vanished one week before the serialization began. She's checked with all of her relatives, but nobody knows where they are. She says that the manuscripts are being faxed to the editing department exactly at midnight every Saturday. She initially thought they went on a trip, but she says that they've never been gone for this amount of time. Kaori called the police, but since there hasn't been any ransom calls and the work's being turned in, they said not to worry about it. She then says that Kogoro's her last hope, and then he accepts the case, saying that they'll go check out the editing department immediately, because goddammit, he's horny now. <laughs> yeah, Kogoro's uh, pretty much willing to do anything at this point. So what do you think about the uh, mis missing writer? Uh, we're led to believe that, like, Maybe he was kidnapped. What are you thinking here? Yeah, I, I kind of took the bait. I thought it was a kidnapping case at first. And then when we learned about how all those manuscripts were coming through the fax machine and different signatures and whatnot. Well, it was the same signature, just was photocopied or whatnot. It, I guess I immediately jumped to something morbid. I thought maybe... You know, while he was kidnapped, he died or, like, he was killed by his captor. And then the person continued writing his novel because he's, like, some obsessive fan. Like, I don't know. My mind was going in all these sort of directions. Just not the right one. <laughs> I was going down the fan route, too. And I guess that's kind of what they want you to think. Just mm -hmm. because, like, you know, the character was dead and then he suddenly comes back. That sounds like, a, you know, like... The Stephen King novel Misery, where the woman's just so obsessed with the characters that she wants them to, you know, like bend the, the fiction to her wills. So I can kind of, I can kind of see that here. I could see somebody kidnapping an author, and especially you hear about like the fire threat and stuff like that later on, and you're kind of like, huh? I guess fans yeah. are this crazy. As a writer yourself, um, is that a legitimate fear that you have? Uh, no, people just tell me I suck online. They don't actually... Aww. Nobody cares enough about my work to kidnap me. They just right. think it sucks. And then break which... your legs. So you never go they, anywhere. Yeah, they might break my legs, but, you know. Out of love. Well, 
Yeah, but you're looking into a procedure to break your legs anyways. Yeah, so that's like helping me. I'm like, yo, you can break my legs, but let's move them down a bit so I can kind of, you know, get that extra inch. Yeah. What do you think? I think you could find some fans to help you with that. All right, so if you're willing to break my legs, (laughs) message the podcast. We're on Twitter at Case (laughs) underscore Reopen. We appreciate it. Really, do. we appreciate that. Yeah, everybody, all of us appreciate yeah. it. Colleen wants my legs broken. <laughs> no, you, you brought it up. Well, because we were talking about misery. No, no, no. This was totally independent. Had nothing to do with that. Right. It Anyways, well, so now that we know that you want a fanatic, obsessed fan girl to kidnap you and break your legs uh, or fanboy fanboy i'm yeah we're open <laughs> here um now that we know that next week i certainly hope that you show up tyler otherwise i might have to send out a search party although i i don't know if i if anyone will do that so the editor explains that a new manuscript should come in shortly and says that the words are most definitely in Taros, and he signs all of them he shows Kogoro the, no, 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 flaxseed. <laughs> facts. No, that seems right. That's uh, what they said in my version. I don't, I don't know why it like auto-corrected facts to the flaxseed. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Reminder to get your, your uh, daily dose of fiber. Yeah, so the editor shows Kogoro the faxed not flaxseed, manuscripts, and they learn that the title is called Halves at the Top. Remember that clue, Colleen? The yep. one half? Uh-huh. I, I, so, yeah, I'm seeing the clue there. I, I've got that. But uh, I don't think that's a very appealing title, personally. <laughs> you wouldn't watch the Detective Conan movie Halves at the Top? Oh, okay. Well, so if it had preface of detective conan that's fine but a novel called halves at the top maybe i'd have to read the back to see what it's about oh i think it's the perfect name halves at the top by tyler trees no i'm too afraid (laughs) to write that the daughter confirms that the signature is her father's the editor tells her not to worry, as he's probably just so entrenched in his writing that he forgot to contact her. Rob mentions that his wife is there, too. The editor says that they had a simple meeting prior to the serials and that he seemed normal. He was surprised that he wanted to restart the Samanji series, though, as they had asked him repeatedly to relaunch it, but he had always said that Samanji is dead, there's no bringing him back. So that that's suspicious, too. I thought, like, oh, this fan can't stand to have him dead. He needed him to be alive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like what Arthur Conan Doyle did with Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes died, but he came back, so Shamanji could also come back. Yeah, but it's, I don't know, it, it kind of doesn't matter if Sherlock dies, because, like, you can always do stories before the death you know yeah it's not like it was like chronological order right they're gonna start serializing prequels for the dedication and taro wrote attention all master detectives throughout japan 
If you wish to surpass my intellect, solve this case's true mystery. And the editor says that since then, they've received a ton of fan letters or predictions of how the case will resolve. And he then says there was a scary call last year from a crazed fan that threatened to burn down the offices if they didn't restart the series. Finally, he says that the author appears in the story itself as an old friend of Samanji that is a struggling writer living in France. This is a first in the series, and Kenan asks to see that scene. Kenan takes a look at the paper and notes how it's strange that 10 is written in kanji one place, but 1 is written with a number. Kyra remarks that it is strange, and it looks like he's about to put something together, but then he says it must be a misprint on the editor's part. Like, he's so close to having, like, a smart moment, and then Kyra just always lets you down. Well, he doesn't let you down in the comedy department. I'll give That's him that, true. at least. The editor says that they're not allowed to change anything, as Nintara said that the lay of the letters is a novel's life. Don't change it. And that he'd cancel the series if they defied his wish. What a what a diva. Yeah, well, he obviously has a lot of pull. I don't know, I thought that the publisher could kind of mix around with the author's words, but I guess, the, I guess this guy uh, is a little bit more um, influential. <laughs> Yeah, he's got the pull, so... Kenan believes that something is being hidden in the writing, and that's when the latest facts comes in. Kenan grabs one of the papers and says that the signature is weird, as chapters 6 through 8 match perfectly, while the earlier ones differed slightly. Kenan says that he might not be able to write anymore, and that he could already be dead. Kegura has the editor call the police, that's when Kenan deduces that the key to saving Antara's life is likely hidden inside the novel. What do you think about uh, this plot device of reading through all of the author's like lines of dialogue to try to figure out a uh, hidden message? Um, I I usually like that kind of stuff when they do that, the code, um, trying to break the code and things like that. This one in particular, though, I found it a little harder to follow along, um, and I eventually just sort of said to myself okay well it has to do with the fact that they're mixing kanji with um numbers and then there's like english letters too so they everything that they were trying to explain i was just like okay nodding my head for uh, i don't i'm not gonna question it so yeah like even if oh go on sorry although i enjoyed the process that conan was going through i don't think i appreciate it as much as i could yeah and i think that's kind of part of the problem with the anime rather than like a manga because with a manga you can at least take the time to you know slowly read something but with the anime they go through these like long-winded explanations so quickly you know it's on the screen for a few seconds and then they're moving on to the next story beat you don't really have time i mean i guess you could pause it but who pauses stuff not me so Mm-hmm. It just goes by so quickly and like definitely doesn't help that there's a language barrier because I just gave up. I I gave up any <laughs> pretense of trying to understand it and it's just like this is just Japanese language shit that I'm not going to understand. But I feel like if we were going through the manga like it could make a little more sense. You know if we were able to pause for a second and look stuff over. Um, you know. Uh, by the way I found on my Detective Conan uh, mangas the other day. So I have a big oh, stack of Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. How many volumes do you have? Uh, 
like 40 or something. Oh, wow. That's a lot. I don't know how many there are published in total right now. So Megary tells Kogoro that they can't begin an investigation yet because the manuscripts are being sent in each week. And that's when Conan looks at Nantara's dialogue in the book and he notices that it mixes numbers, kanji, and English letters together. Takagi then arrives with copies of all Nantara's dialogue and a copy is given to Conan as well. He's in France each time and his daughter remarks that her parents often traveled there. Conan tries reading it backwards and rearranging it, but he can't figure out the message. That then asks if they can use chapter 8 of Halves at the Top, and that's when Conan puts it together, and he finds the hidden message. However, he's still wondering what the goal of the culprit is as the episode ends, so it kind of ends on a weird cliffhanger where Conan's figured it out, so you're like, how are they going to spend 30 minutes if he's <laughs> already figured out the main thing? But uh, they make it work. Yeah. Well, they kind of start off part two by Conan still trying to figure stuff out. So that that was a little odd for me. Like, okay, obviously Conan didn't fully break the code in the first part. I don't know. What did you think about this part one? Uh, I thought it was a bit slow. Um, I thought it was just a weirdly paced two-parter. Like, I guess this... I don't. I feel like this case kind of didn't need to be a two-parter. There's not much. Like it felt like drawn out at the beginning. Where uh, there's fun scenes like Kigger is, you know, trying to impress the lady and stuff. But eventually, like I think it's more in the second episode where you're just going over like all this boring kid stuff that's not really that interesting. You don't have many character moments. It just felt kind of prolonged and. I didn't find this case, uh, th- like that part of the case. Cause I like the case overall. I think like, I like the characters in it. I like the, some moments, but like the core mystery is just kind of like not all that enjoyable. Maybe it's just because I'm English speaking and it has a lot to do with, uh, Japanese text and kanji and all. But I just, I didn't find that all interesting, this code. Like I wasn't trying to crack it. You know, it's just like, come on, guys, figure this out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I um, I found that at least for me, the suspense worked pretty well. Uh, it had me, you know, hooked, you know, for three quarters of the episode because I kept thinking it was a kidnapping case, and I was trying to figure out exactly sort of the motive and why the manuscripts signatures were the same for the last three times so all of that kind of kept my attention but uh the code breaking i was sort of over it i was just you know accepting whatever conan was telling me would be right um and i also found for this one uh they kept a lot from the viewer so And it it might be because of the language barrier that I wasn't really into the code-breaking part of the episode, but everything else seemed like it was kept away from me and I couldn't really play along with Conan and uh, figuring out the case. So I was just, I I felt like more of a spectator than normal. So the next Conan's hint is French. Francais, ha ha ha. Indeed. Uh, then at the end it says, a message from creator Oyama. And then another voice says, what? Did he say this corner is popular? 
Okay. So my lovely uh, sub did not uh, put subtitles on the preview nor the final joke. So this is a surprise to me. Thank you. So I got you. <laughs> I find the good subs with all the details you need. Awesome. So we move on to part two, which is episode 117. This premiered on September 14th, 1998. Conan says, Today is a serious code. If adding doesn't work, try subtracting. Some good life advice, Colin. Yeah, so we went from a writing, kind of creative um, teaser to now mathematics. We're... We're catering to all subjects. <laughs> Ron asks Conan what he's noticed, and he's about to answer when the editing department receives a phone call, and somebody from Kansai says that they've figured out the code. Magri talks to him, and it winds up being a Tori. Were you excited <laughs> to finally see him? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I figured he'd come in part two. I didn't know in what capacity, so the fact that he was there for like two minutes uh, was still quite a surprise to me but i feel like every time they say oh someone called or someone's talking to me with a kansai accent it's like a given that it's hattori now hattori says that nintara's dialogue is all code that the key is in the title of the novel the letter at the top of each line is half of a full letter and we get a very japanese language-based explanation of how it works and it winds up saying in the first chapter it says help us so it's an SOS calling. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of in line with what we've been thinking all the way along. So I'm still thinking, you know, kidnapping case. You know what I feel like the ultimate SOS is calling? What's that? Creating a Detective Conan rewatch <laughs> podcast. And what exactly are you calling for help for? Somebody help. Help me. <laughs> We're asking the listeners to solve the case, crack the code, make me proud, so I can see that somebody noticed all the all the little things I hid into the podcast. It's been a, a grand yeah. experiment. Crack the yeah, code. Yeah, so we have a bunch of little Easter eggs, so leave your comments if you can find them all. Because they're totally there. Yep. Tori says that it's likely <laughs> that the author is being held captive and being forced to write. The editor then reveals that the manuscripts haven't been paid for yet, and that they'd be told where to send the money when the story is completed. Megari then tells Takagi to check for any strange fan letters. Takagi's just doing all the, like, boring, dirty work during this episode. <laughs> I was about to say, this is Takagi's moment to shine. But Takagi's usually there for that stuff, anyways. Megari just sort of bosses him around. That's the, the glory of being a superior. Right. So there was like a funny little bit with uh, Hattori uh, when he first called the editor, I think, picked up. And he's just like, get the police on the phone. And Megari finally gets to the phone. And he, I don't know, I thought there was like a funny little interaction between the two of them. But I, I can't, uh, can't retell it now. <laughs> oh, you just did. You just, oh, okay. you just did retell it. <laughs> okay, good. Don't doubt yourself. You can retell things. Yeah, so... Hattori talks to the editor, and he's like, get get me the police, I gotta talk to the police. And then, you know, he hands the phone to Megari, and Hattori, not knowing, 
that the police are already there. He's like, why are you talking to me? I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And he's yelling <laughs> at Megary. Yeah. Megary puts the phone down, and Hattori says that he hasn't cracked the entire code yet. He's just, he's still talking while the phone's on the desk. It's quite funny. <laughs> so Conan picks it up, and the two are kind of pleased to be talking to each other. And Hattori tells him to come to Osaka, and they'll have some udon. And kind of then <laughs> pretends that he's going to hang up on Hattori. That's when they finally start discussing the code. Hattori says that the halves at the top trick doesn't work with the following chapters. Hattori says that if Conan's there, why should he have to puzzle it from so far away? And he tells him that the rest is all him. He wishes him good luck, and then he just hangs up on Conan. That's your <laughs> that's your big Hattori scene. Uh, yeah. Like, that was the most random thing I think I've seen in this show in a long time. Like, I don't know if it was more, there was more of it in the manga, like, Hattori actually had a big role to play, but this just kind of seemed awfully forced. I think it's just to tease him for the next case, because we have, because he shows up then next. So it's like, you get a little reminder that Hattori's there, and then you get the big case. Yeah, so before I knew that, I felt like it was super, like, why are we even, why is Hattori in this? But... Um, if it's almost as like, you know, Conan and Ron are taking him up on his offer to go to Osaka, then it it does have a better flow to it. Yeah, he basically only appears to ask Conan to go have some udon. That's about the <laughs> entire plot contribution that. he has. Absolutely. He's foreshadowing for the next episode. Like the code part. He's just like, well, since you're there, you can figure it out on your own. Yeah, there's a really funny moment as Megary, he's like, okay, I'll t- go back to talking to Hattori. And just <laughs> as he goes to do this, kind of throws the phone down in frustration, hangs up on him. And obviously he doesn't know he was talking to Hattori. And he's like, what are you doing? And Kegre just punches Kenan in the head. We get that classic scene there. Very funny. Yeah, goose egg on Conan's poor head. Kegaro says that they don't need those Osaka boys. The uh, Tokyo's finest can solve it themselves. And Megari asks him if he's feeling sleepy. Kegaro is quite confused by that question. And Megari says he always goes, Funya! Or, Hohi! Does he? I don't... <laughs> what are these noises? Um, It's hard for me to tell, because they usually have subtitles, and Kegaro will say something... Um, like he'll mumble something to himself before he goes under. I don't think he goes, Fanya! <laughs> that I don't know about that, but, um, it, it sounds like you're, the way that you're doing it sounds just like a voice actor would. Or like a video game character or something. <laughs> so kudos. Daughter becomes visibly worried, and Ron starts to comfort her by telling her not to give up. After all, your dad's is only going to die in like fifteen minutes. Don't worry about it. Right. So that's so that's Ron's contribution. If Hattori is just there to invite them over to Osaka for udon, Ron is just there to, for moral support and to be rude to uh, Kigura's beautiful guests. Well, I think with. Like within reason, I mean she, she doesn't really like it when her married father flirts with other women. So I feel her. 
Cannon tries to crack the code, but figures out that adding or removing nearby letters doesn't do anything. He then says that if the captor is a fan, they'd be suspicious about the bold declaration, uh, the bold dedication, and would have probably decided. Uh, he says that if the captor is a fan, they'd be suspicious about the bold dedication, and they would have probably deciphered the help me line. Cannon grows frustrated, and he then overhears the editor telling someone that it's fine to use French to fancy something up, but they can't spell stuff wrong, as there's an H in humor, even though it isn't pronounced. There's that, the H is pronounced. What, you, you tell me, Colin, how do you say humor in French? Yeah, the, you don't pronounce the H. I say it. Humor. Ew. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that. Alright, so there you go. This helps kind of figure out the code and where the author is being held. <laughs> Takagi tells Megari that the 8th chapter features dialogue from Nintara as well. Kenan reads it and says that there's no time left. He uses his wristwatch to knock out Kogoro, but accidentally hits the chief editor of the magazine instead. And Kenan's like, alright, guess I gotta imitate him. But then he remembers he never heard the guy <laughs> speak. So he's like, damn it. And I love how it, he thinks of the, you know a few seconds in like that was my first reaction i i thought how is conan gonna do this and conan's you know there setting up his little bow tie and all and then it dawns on him that he can't fake this one ron then notices him under the desk and she's like what are you doing he's like uh playing hide and seek (laughs) since there's only one tranquilizer dart conan says he'll have to wait for them to crack the code Megary remarks that the chief editor reminds him of sleeping Kogoro, and Conan starts to laugh. He says that the editor is copying how Kogoro sleeps, and that he must have a lot of umma. Kogoro <laughs> says Conan knows strange words as a kid, and he says that the editor was just talking about it. Conan says French people are strange, as they don't read the H at the start of words, and that they just should just remove it from the start. Do you agree, Colin? Um... Mm, no. <laughs> Get the H out. I don't know. No. I mean, if you remove the H, then, like, if, I don't know, just the word just looks incomplete. <laughs> I mean, English, in, the English language isn't that much better. There's a bunch of words or letters and words that we don't pronounce. Daughter. Enough. Like. <laughs> Wait, what's with daughter? That's not pronounced. Well, the G, it's like, it's spelled doctor, basically, doc. Oh, huh, I guess so. Oh. Yeah, there's a really funny, um, well, I think it's funny, a clip of uh, Ricky Ricardo. So this is from an old TV show, I Love Lucy. Uh, Lucy's husband, Ricky Ricardo, is Cuban, and he's trying to practice his English by um, reading a kid's story. And there's a bunch of words in there with, like, the O-U-G-H kind of ending, like bow and uh, through and things like that. And everyone he he pronounces incorrectly. And it's just, check it out if you haven't seen it. So there's your I Love Lucy clip of the week <laughs> from Colleen. That's right. I got you if you're looking for 50s sitcoms. After some extra prodding from Conan, Megary and Kogoro put it together that they have to remove the silent H's when combining words. 
The second message then becomes the place I'm at now. The third is Hido City Hotel. And the fourth reveals his room number, which is 2407. Or Ido City Hotel. Megari tells everybody to head there, and Takagi says there's more dialogue in Chapter 8, which reads, Hurry! There's no time. Kegaro and the others get into a taxi with the daughter, who's praying that they'll be okay. Kegaro tells her that they're still alive, which really fucked that up, Kevin. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, you're half right. These detectives are getting everything wrong. Hattori was like, no. Wait, what did he say? Uh, Hattori says it's likely that the author is being held captive and forced to write. Uh, that's yeah. incorrect. Conan says, oh, they're probably still alive. Uh, no. So they arrive at the hotel, and Conan doesn't believe it's a fan, but he's still unsure about the captors after. Conan believes that if Natara can't sign his name, then the story is being dictated to someone that is typing it out. So they all arrive on the 24th floor and rush to the room. And much to their surprise, the door starts to open, and Megari is shocked to find the mom there. They then rush in, and they yell, Please freeze! And they just find a dead man there, as the father is in the bed with a cloth over his head. There's also a strange man in the room, who says that he passed away just moments ago. Tells the daughter that they tried to call home many times, but they couldn't get a hold of her. And then she starts to cry. So what do you think about rushing in here and... They don't seem under captive, and the dad's dead. Yeah. Um, so the buildup to this moment, I was really digging it. When they were in the elevator, Conan was still trying to f- figure out the motive. So I was really getting um, riled up for that. But then when they opened the door and they found, find this scene, I don't know. I was a little disappointed. It's like kind of anticlimactic for me. And then the fact that they're like, oh, we tried calling home, but you weren't there to the daughter. I <laughs> I felt so bad for her because the entire time she's been trying to find her parents and all she really had to do was stay at home. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty sad, that aspect. Kegar accuses the man of being the abductor, but the wife explained that it's her husband's personal physician. There is no kidnapping. The code is all fabrication made by her husband. He wanted to receive happiness by a redo that solves the mystery before the solution's given by him. What a lame thing to wish for. Yeah. So I was a little conflicted here because I thought he was being uh, super selfish by doing that. And it didn't really make sense to me why he would do that in the first place and worry his daughter and all that. Um, But on the other hand, it was his final wish like he probably knew that he didn't have long to live so this is what he wanted so i don't know but i i think i'm siding more with the daughter like i yeah i guess you're allowed to be selfish when you're gonna die in two months yeah but still i don't i don't know i it's not something i would particularly think as a, a great last act i suppose yeah it's not ideal uh, the wife and the doctor uh, helped him write his story here in his final days. The doctor then explains that Natara lost the use of his arms two weeks ago due to terminal cancer. The mother then apologizes to Kaori for not telling her, but her father didn't want her to know in order to give believability to the code. Forgive your father and consider it his last selfish act, she asked her daughter. That's how the episode kind of ends there. You're just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, I I didn't really get his entire 
thing about the code and so he wanted just anybody to crack it or was it yeah he just wanted to be like he just wanted to to see the joy of somebody figuring it out before he gives an answer he wants somebody to outsmart him basically well then that makes it doubly sad because he doesn't get to see that at all i know it's really funny yeah dude just dies (laughs) and like five seconds later somebody comes that cracked the code and he doesn't get any satisfaction like it's a real bummer of an episode when you think of it that way we have a happy ending here after the ending song, though. So Kugger calls the entire case a false alarm, and he says that the novel will go unfinished. However, his daughter says that won't be the case, as she'll write the rest of it, as she won't shame the name Nintara Shinme. Kenner then reveals two months later that she finished the novel and it became a bestseller. A TV adaptation was later made, and she became a writer afterward. The last half of the book featured a dim-witted detective tomboy girl and a cheeky boy in glasses that helps Samanji solve the case. Conan says that he won't say who the characters are based upon, that he could do without the cheeky part. And that's when episode comes to an end. So We now know there's fictional versions of Ron, Kogoro, and Conan in the Detective Conan universe. Yeah, I don't recall seeing them again, but then again I didn't recall... Detective Shimanji either, so... Uh, Detective Simon, thank you. Detective Simon. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really glad that they added this ending. It kind of left everything on a high note, and it almost redeemed that last scene for me. Yeah, like, it's kind of a gift to his daughter, I guess. Like, uh, getting... She, you know, was able to carry his torch and find something she's good at and something she enjoys and being a writer. So, I mean, yeah, there's a nice little bow tie on here but like wasn't that it was pretty much a bummer until the after the credits here yeah so what'd you think about the episode overall um i think it had some pretty good parts like it was fun to see hattori his little cameo um just you know hattori's always so hot-headed and he's always like yelling things and you just feel like he's super um impulsive and things like that so i really felt it in his appearance um i loved conan's reactions to him like uh him like hattori hanging up on him and then conan also hanging up and then saying like anyways that whole bit i really was digging i liked the fact that conan um tranquilized the editor-in-chief or whoever he was that i thought that was kind of unique because usually usually we don't see like a mishap like that for conan and then he has to you know quickly think on his feet like oh i guess i'm gonna have to you know lay out some clues for the rest of these guys so that they can uh crack the code instead so i definitely think that there were high points but overall i don't know if i'd be excited to rewatch this episode again although i will say that i do look forward to watching this in english because i want to see what they did with the code you no, mainly you want to see Detective Simon, don't want mainly to. yes, yes, of course. See, so, yeah, I I basically feel the same way. I I think there's some definitely some good moments. The humor is pretty good in this episode, uh, two parts. But I just feel like it's it's definitely on the lower end of the two parters we've seen. Uh, it's not like super memorable. Uh, Samanji is introduced, and we'll see him a. A fictional character again he kind of appears throughout the series it's like every 
100 episodes will make a small appearance. Um, so we'll get to see more f- fictional versions of them down the line. Yeah, it's a very skippable episode besides Hattori <laughs> saying, let's grab some udon. Yeah, which leads us into the next episode. Yeah, so we get a preview here. Next Conan's hint is Rearview Mirror. Conan says, next time it's a one-hour special. Conan's going to Osaka. Vroom, vroom. (laughs) Again, I did not get the luxury of having that uh, translated for me, so now I know what it said. So the next episode is the Naniwa serial murder case. It's a one-hour special, so that's very exciting, Conan. Absolutely. So that's all we're going to be covering next week, right? Yeah, so we were were wishing for Hattori last week, but we're getting (laughs) him next week, so. Are we also, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything or spoil anything. Are we also seeing Hattori's friend? It says new character, so we might be seeing her. Okay, okay. We'll find out. I'm excited. Don't get disappointed if she's not there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've been disappointed enough already. I know. Doing this podcast each week, talk about disappointment. That's right. I'm contractually obligated to be here. We'll be back next week with that. Uh, We want to thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. You can write to us on Twitter at case underscore reopened. Uh, Make sure to subscribe, review the podcast if you can. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.